Hey there, you're listening to the Creating Your Success Plan podcast. We're all about helping women advance their careers by providing content designed to mentor, coach, and motivate you to step into your power and achieve your highest aspirations. This is Janice Leamy, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Today, my guest is Jessica Walker, a phenomenal woman I've had the honor of knowing for several years. Jessica, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, Janice, thank you so much. Um, yes, my name is Jessica Walker, and I'm co-founder and founder of Care Sherpa. Awesome. What is Care Sherpa? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, Care Sherpa came out of um, a need to help patients with that. We'll call it the final mile, as in uh, prospective patients that need are interested in services with a facility or hospital or a surgical provider. They call in and maybe need more information or education or support to understand if the procedure is right for them. And we bring that to the table and we help guide them through the process from that first point of contact to surgical table and beyond. Oh, that sounds like a, a great service. What led you to want to start your own business? Is this your first business? It is. And if you would have told me five years ago I was going to be in this position, I would have laughed. I thought, no way possible. <laughs> so, um, you know, as I tell people, it really kind of came out of frustration. Um, I'd spent the last 15 years, how I got to meet you actually, is working with um, amazing folks in the healthcare marketplace, uh, helping work on patient acquisition strategies and a complex CRM analytics. And then with that, you know, the one thing I discovered is that we would do all these wonderful campaigns and get interest and get people that need these services, but then just wasn't getting, you know, across the line and showing the growth. And that's because oftentimes the clinic is so busy. So when pa new patients call in, they can't always get to the phone or can't respond to them in a timely timely fashion. And so really, it was born out of frustration. I kept trying to have other people do it. And when no one else would do it, I said, fine, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is wonderful. I bet there are a lot of women who have ideas for businesses and just don't ever quite get to the point of, of, of trying it out because it's scary, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I equated my um, starting this venture as literally jumping off a cliff. And, you know, you, you, when you think about a cliff diver, right, that you're at that edge and you, you look down and you think there's no way, you know, this impossible idea, right? But you have to have enough faith in yourself. And when I think about this journey for me, a lot of it was just stepping into my power and trust in myself that no matter what happens, I'm going to figure it out. And no matter what happens, I've got the right, you know, background, experience, expertise that I'll muddle through and I'll figure it out as I go along. And, and I feel as I've gotten to know many more female entrepreneurs, that that's a common thread of just a sense of self. And, and I'll tell you, maybe that's the comment about five years ago. I, I, I know I didn't have that sense of self. Mm -hmm. And then certain things that happened that prove to you that you're more resilient than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And you wake up one morning and you just say, okay, this is it. I believe in myself and I'm going to take that first step in the journey. Now that is amazing. I love that. And I love when you talk about stepping into your power because women are so powerful and so many of us don't realize it. 
So that's kind of what mm-hmm. we're talking about today. We're, t- we're discussing the factors that hold women back from advancing in their careers or even starting their own businesses. And I mean, I don't think we'll have a lack of things to talk about, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> you know, like from external factors, like the real or perceived glass ceiling to internal mm-hmm. limits, like limiting beliefs and the need to just be perfect, not to mention motherhood and all the additional yep. things that women typically have responsibility for outside of work. It's it's like a mountain of stuff. Absolutely. You know, and I'll say even in my journey through this, you know, getting to this point of having, you know, worked in progressive areas and large global consultancy firms and everything all the way, you know, and really, um, I realized one of my drivers that prevented me from being to where I am today was fear. And it is that financial security, that fear of the unknown, that fear of, well, I've never started my own business. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's why I use that term about stepping into power, because that's really what it is. Going back to say, I don't know, because I've never done it before, but I won't know until I do. And I trust myself enough to figure it out because I am, you know, smart enough. I am brave enough. I can do it. Like those, you know, affirmation statements, but it's true. It's like to look in the mirror and say, yes, I have the tools, therefore I should. Right, exactly. And one of the things I talk about in the success plan system is failure is your friend. Because you can learn yeah. so much through failing. As a matter of fact, the best lessons I've ever learned have come from failing. Uh, and then you learn, you pick yourself mm-hmm. back up, like you said, and you go, okay, not that way. We'll try this way. Mm-hmm. You are so absolutely true. I mean, I, same thing, resiliency, right? How do you learn resiliency? Because you get to the bottom of a hole and you got to dig yourself out. And you're like, hey, that wasn't so bad. I can do it again. You know, and that's it. And and I think that um, that fear of it, and that um, just not having that sense of you know looking back and saying that yes, you did overcome this you know, fear, you did move forward. Um, that's oftentimes that we just get hung up in that state and it keeps us, you know, numb. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, when I went through the, the process of deciding to, to write, creating your success plan, I really had to work through some limiting beliefs that, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, I have one that a lot of people have, and it's, I don't deserve success. And I had to really go kind of regress back into my childhood to figure out wh- why do I, why would I have that belief? And when I, I found out what it was, it was so silly that I would let that thing that happened when I was maybe 10 years old, keep me from just jumping out there, stepping in my power and believing in myself and believing yes. that I deserve success is just mm-hmm. it was so silly. And so whenever I feel that creeping back up on me, I have to remember, okay, no, 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 that goes back in this little pocket over here on the side. Mm-hmm. Well, and then having that as even a form of radical self-compassion, right? Recognizing that, that that doesn't go away just because even like, don't get me wrong, and sitting here today, I still have those reminder moments too of like, oh my gosh, what, what am I doing? What am I, you know, how have I get here? And the what if would have, would have been, and I realized that that becomes a spiral. And if I stay in that tornado, it's just going to pull me down, right? Mm-hmm. And to your point, recognize it. And give yourself grace and give yourself that radical self-compassion first and say, it's okay. And, you know, like you said, put it back in the pocket, move forward. Exactly. You know, and we have those inner critics too. Um, yeah. I, I recently was doing some kind of research into self-compassion, like you brought up. And um, that inner critic that we all have can be so mean. But, you know, what they, they taught me was it's just trying to protect you from hurting yourself. And it's like this little thing that you learned 
okay, um, well, don't do that. Don't step out there. Don't step into the street. Don't touch that hot stove. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's just being more, um, not really controlling, but trying to help. So Mm -hmm. the tip was to to thank it, thank the the critical voice and say, but we're going to go this way. You know, it's like when ego gets in the way, same kind of thing. Exactly. And, and I think it even, um, you know, for me, I'll speak from a place of personal experience. It, like you said, it can go back to childhood, right? So you think about how you were socialized. And often as a young female, you maybe were told, you know, to sit and be quiet or sit and act in a certain way and what's ladylike behavior, whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think back to, you know, I was often told I was bossy as a child. Well, what does that mean, right? And so actually, actually today, my oldest son came and said that my youngest t- son told him he was bossy. And my response to him, I said, you know, honey, mom was said that when she's a girl, but now mom is the boss. So tell him you're the boss. So, you know, but that's it, right? It's a socialization. And I think that that's, you know, part of it too, that, that negative self-talk can come from that. And even like, again, that's part of stepping into your power is to say, you know, I don't need someone from the peanut gallery to define who I am and what I'm capable of. I get to define that for myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very powerful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I recently did some crowdsourcing on LinkedIn and uh, got some really good insights around this whole question about what, what holds women back. And I want us to get into some of those as well. And, you know, you've mentioned some of the most significant factors that women should be mindful of. Is there anything else that comes to mind for you? You know, um, and I loved your post. I'm so glad to see the engagement that you had on that. And I loved that it came from both genders, right? And so, and and I think that that's so critical. Um, But the one that, you know, come to mind that I also have to constantly remind myself is ask for what I need. No one's going to give it to me, right? That I have to be bold enough, brave enough, believe in myself, what I'm doing, and to make that ask. And it could be as simple as, like, I was sharing that um, I'm currently working on uh, bringing in some outside investors. Mm. Same thing. I had to fight those fears, right? I've never dealt with professional investors at that level. And instead of holding that back, I had to go to people that I knew in my network that had and just say, well, what should I do? How do I prevent myself from looking like a fool? What feedback do you have? Well, mm-hmm. that's making an ask because I needed that information that I didn't have, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, having amazing friends and partners. But women in their careers, I mean, I think about this too with people that I've known and um, even employees that I've hired, they're, you know, they bring, they don't know their value. So that could be another one, like not knowing your worth and your value. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it's really easy to put something on sale if you don't know your true value and that's it and so that's part of asking for what you need you know your market value you know what you're capable of and you know you know that promotion that job that you're looking at that you know that you are the best amongst your peers well why aren't you there asking for that opportunity Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we need to find our voices as women and we need to not be afraid of being called bossy (laughs) yep yep that's okay (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yes. And, and and I do think too that um, there, you know, th- there's negative connotations. And I think we, we are aware of that and you navigate around those, right? There's someone to say the, you know, how you can come off. So even the example of asking for what you want with a job promotion, you know, it's certainly rather than sitting in the corner waiting for someone to come and hand you the baton, you know, by having a dialogue with your superior, with your executive and asking the question, well, what are you looking for when you're hiring for X and Y and Z? And starting that conversation, that's a gentle way to do without feeling like you're 
you know, maybe approaching it in a way that's not comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. I like that. Just kind of take a step into it, right? Absolutely. Step into it. Yes. So um, some of the things that you've talked about so far in our our discussion is, is not knowing how to get to do something. And and that can be a limiting factor as well. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that I, I really try to help women and everybody understand is you really don't need to know how you're going to get something done. You really yeah. need, you need to push yourself past those kind of limitations. You need to think as, as broadly and as far as you can, and then just really believe that you're going to be able to achieve that. And I bet you had this happen to you. The how just falls in your lap right at the right moment. Absolutely. And it's that sense of, um, I tell some of my friends all the time that, you know, if you're not stretching, if you're not growing, if you're not looking at a new opportunity and scared out of your mind of how in the heck am I going to do this? You know, that's, you know, when you have that fear moment, that's amazing because that means you're about to grow. But like you said, you still, it just comes from a place of, I don't know, using me as an example, never started a business before in my life, you know, but I knew enough to believe in myself, to say, I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I do, I, I totally agree with you. I think so many women will look at a job description. They'll look at something, an opportunity that's out there and say, oh, well, I don't have the five years experience or I don't, I've never worked in marketing before, but I, you know, I really you know, enjoy the X and Y and Z. Well, you know, what's keeping you from learning it and, you know, applying your talent in that way and, you know, embracing it and growing. Exactly. Exactly. Just jump in. It's like sort of that wholeheartedness kind of approach to life. Don't let the little mm-hmm. things hold you back. No, I was just going to say one other thought that came to mind with this. And I think that this is, again, kind of going back to your, your question, is that the other side of it is also being willing to be vulnerable. Right. And so by having a mentor, a sponsor, a partner, someone that you aspire to be, and it it doesn't even need to be like somebody at the high up executive level. Some of the best people that I've learned from are just inspiring leaders. And so by having that to say, you know, again, being vulnerable, I don't know what I'm doing. So using my example with the investors, there's a woman who she's an amazing female entrepreneur. I'm here in Nashville and I would love to be her when I grow up. And it took me a lot of courage to go and ask her to, you know, give me some of her time and offer feedback and, but, but doing that. Right. And then, but having that and being able to ask for what you need, but then ask that person to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help? And mm-hmm. I think it's, a, there's so many people out there that are willing to help if you ask. Exactly. Especially I, I'm seeing this whole movement of women helping women um, yeah. And I'm hoping that most people listening have never heard this before, but there's this phrase that I heard as I was growing up and getting into the workforce. Uh, it's like, oh, a bunch of women just can't work together. It's like we're competing mm. with each other. And I always kind of felt like a man made that up. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'll be the first to say, I think, unfortunately, sometimes some women play into that and create that, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes from, unfortunately, you know, it's almost a question of like, how are they traumatized in their career? They felt they had to continue to perpetrate that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that that is something that, you know, all I can do is recognize that and I create an environment around me where that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the radical conversation about how do you grow in your uh, career is that sometimes you have to recognize if you're in an environment where that's the case, 
then you ask, can I affect that environment? Can I affect that culture with my immediate world? Or then ultimately is the right question for me to move beyond it. Right. That, that is so freeing when you can look at where you're, you're at and realize this is not healthy. This is not helping yes. me. It might be mm-hmm. scary to think about leaving that role. Um, maybe yes. even before you have another job, but you owe it to yourself to put yourself in a place where you feel good, where you're growing. Um, it's just so essential. So if, if you run into any of those women who feel like women can't work together, run away. <laughs> Oh, no. And that's, I would, I would, I often talk to um, friends who are evaluating different job opportunities. And that's that the vibe is the tribe, right? Mm -hmm. And so then when you're in an interview, when you're in an environment, you're talking to somebody, if you know, that vibe comes across as and far of like, are they supportive of one another? Is there any kind of backbiting? Is there any kind of like, you know, glances, Mm -hmm. like, I, every career before starting my own company, that every endeavor, every step that I took, the number one thing before we talked about pay, benefits, everything else was who am I working with and what's the environment? Because I want to survive and I want to thrive, right? And I want to grow. And I can't do that if I have limitations of the culture. Well, that's very true. So true. And I always tell people, even if they're interviewing to be uh, a part of my team, it's like you get to the peer interview point, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So you take power of that and you just find out, do you feel like there's chemistry there? Do you feel like this is a place you want to fit in? Don't be desperate to get the job. Make sure it's going to work for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Even with, oh, with Kira Sherpa, when we hire, we bring on anybody in the team. And and I've done this with, as I built all uh, high performing teams in the past is that everyone is involved in the hiring decision, right? Like we are a unit when I use the cliche of the family unit, but we are. Mm -hmm. And one of the last, like I, you know, take them through different types of selection research questions, et cetera, and so forth. But the last decision before we make that final job offer, we call it the beer test. And it's literally getting together there's no question. There's no structure. It's just a question of like, would you want to hang out and have a glass of wine or, you know, glass of beer with this person? <laughs> and, and, and I've, I've genuinely not moved forward with a candidate because of, you know, somebody on the team just, you know, had their, that they didn't pass the beer test. <laughs> and so, you know, cause when you're in that informal environment, cause that's the thing day in and day out, we're going to spend so much time together that, you know, I, I want to know that the, the esprit de corps, right, is there from that. And so, yeah, same thing. If, if you're evaluating a new opportunity, that's probably one of the most important decisions. Can you thrive in this environment because of having that people that you would want to have a beer, glass of wine or glass, whatever, glass of water with, right? But outside of work. Exactly. I love that. I really do love that. I always say, you know, you, you interview and you hope that you've made the right decision, but you never know until you know. That's true on both mm-hmm. sides, you know, but, but yes. try to make your best decision and try to be as objective as possible. I love mm-hmm. that the vibe is the tribe. I've written that down. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it, well, and you think about this, right? That at times where things going to hit the fan, right? And you're going to have high stress environments. And at the end of the day, if you and I work together and we can um, professionally be in different sides of an issue, but yet at the end of the day, we still really care about each other. And I dare say, use the word love, because that's the way that I build my team and my culture is that we can still love one another. And I know you as a person, I know where your heart is. You know, that's definitely, we'll get, we'll get so much further down the road together than this one moment that we're not on the same sides of the issue. 
Exactly. That's so key. Well, I can tell why your business is going well. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, kind of bringing it back to your, your comment around how women limit themselves, though, um, I do think kind of bringing that to that place of not you know, stating what you need. And, you know, that's another side of it, too, that if you're in a culture that's not working, you know, being able to also, again, I also believe as an employee, you're responsible for your own employee engagement. And so what do you do to contribute to that? You can't fix, you know, the things well above your pay grade, but you can fix that immediate. So how are you contributing to the rest of your team members to bring you closer together and to build that esprit de corps? Right. And, you know, even build your own like microculture within a culture. Yes. I saw a woman do that, um, that I worked with at a place that was very stressful, a lot of turnover, a lot of issues going on. Um, and she was in charge of internal communications, which was a huge job and fairly mm -hmm. understaffed. But she just said, you know what? The work's the work. We will get it done. And she was just maintain this positivity in this sea of negative people. And so what I, I saw, I kind of watched is that people gravitated to her because of that energy she was putting out there. Yes. Positive. Oh my gosh. Yes. And mm -hmm. they, they would go and talk with her and seek her counsel and, and just truly loved her because she was this source of positivity. You know, it was nice to see. Yeah, you know, and you kind of made me think of another thing too, Janice, which is um, every year I make a New Year's resolution to be a more positive person. Unfortunately, that, you know, gets me to December 4th and I'm still not hitting that resolution fully. But what I do is definitely make sure I surround myself with people with that energy, right? And and bring that. And also the ones who are going to kick me under the table and tell me when I'm being, you know, kind of too hard driving, right? Um <laughs> And so, you know, I think that that's another part that we as women need to be strategic about in our careers is recognize where do our complementary partners, where do I, um, where do I excel? Where are my strengths? And meaning I'm never going to fix those areas of weakness. Those are going to be blind spots to me, but I bring partners around me that can balance me in there. And I believe that, you know, really successful women in their career recognize that and know how to set up systems and, and uh, surround themselves by partners that um, help account for that, that they wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing for women to do is to, to realize we can't be everything 100% no. of the time, you know, mm -mm. maybe 5% of the time. <laughs> yeah. And we haven't even talked about like, you know, life outside of work, right. That we're already trying to be moms and, you know, business women and, you know, mentors and community pillars and all these things, these pressures that we put upon ourselves. And let's talk about it also here, right. With the home, with the holiday season, like all these other things that kind of come at us in a way that, um, you know, we add the pressure and I, you're right. I think giving ourselves grace and saying, I can't, I can't do every single thing. I'm going to do it all really terribly, or I can, you know, recognize where do I need help? Where do I need support? And where do I need to, again, ask for what I need and bring in other people to be a part of this to not um, set myself up to fail and be miserable. Exactly. You know, and, and you, know, you talked about having a, a couple of children, I was wondering how you navigate being a mom and running your own business. I would imagine there are times when keeping things balanced feels impossible. And I bet you have some tips to share with women who might be in that same boat. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind and, um, and I feel like maybe a lot of your listeners will feel this too. Um, the imposter syndrome, the guilt bombs that we put on ourselves I 
have to recognize that um, I, you know, as a mom to two small children, there are days where I feel like an utter failure as a mom, right? Because my client world blew up, my team needs me, something's going on. And it's like, you know, okay, you can go watch another show or, oh, you can go play a video game, you know, and, and I feel like this isn't, you know, what I want for my children, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I can easily get into that spiral of, you know, questioning why am I doing this and am I damaging them, all this, right? That's just that guilt and that's that inner critic almost, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so there's two things. So going back to that radical self-compassion, so I remind myself and I, I, I have to have that inner dialogue that gives myself grace. And, and the other thing I do, my children are 10 and 7, and I have very real conversations with them to say, you know, mom would love to play the board game with you right now. Mom would love to, you know, sit with you and do X and Y and Z or go do an X and Y. I can't right now, but I really want to. And mom is working really hard so that on Saturday, you know, we can be together and do it then or whatever that is. Or, you know, I've even just asked them, like, is, you know, what's the most important thing right now? Would you like mom to, you know, this or that? And, and but it's the grace and, um, you know, having the ability to have those conversations with them. And, and when, you know, and then sometimes the other side of it is like, if my mommy heart is hurting and I can see that, you know, you, you change your priorities. So during this time of COVID and virtual school, I have an amazing team that's sponsoring, but, you know, and even my clients, like I'm home trying to, you know, manage virtual school and work and this and that. And that goes back to that vulnerability. You know, I've had to be very real that I'm not superwoman. And guess what? I've got a seven-year-old walking behind me asking me for an apple while I'm on a sales call. <laughs> That's reality. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think it's really interesting how there are definitely silver linings to COVID. That so many things have been taken away from us. But at the same time, I feel like getting to know people in their personal space as we're working remotely has brought people much closer together than we were before. And, and it wasn't like we were a distant team, the team that I work with right now. It's like, we see each other in each other's homes. We see their, their kids running around the house without pants on. We see their dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the other side of this too. I've, you've probably experienced this too, Janice. Is like, you know, we grew up in an era, you know, working with more formal environments and like you had to like be at work by 7.05 or, you know, you, you were late for an 8 a.m. meeting, right? And um, to wear pantyhose. Yes, pantyhose. Oh, golly, we could talk about the pantyhose. Yes. Um, and so growing up in that, like that's still ingrained. And so the other thing I do have done, I still work on is catch myself when I'm applying any of those kind of old school value judgments to other women, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And the same thing of like, if I you know, expect grace, I just need to give grace in return and lead by example, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's times where I've had conversations with a team member to say, okay, hey, I get it, you know, we've got life going on and this and that, but how can we arrange your work time so that we're not having a little one intruding all the time, right, or whatever that is, and so, you know, but instead of um, applying these rigid rules and, but recognizing the reality of it all, and, and then, being supportive and on offering, you know, supportive conversations. Exactly. It's, it's really, I've learned a lot. Um, of course, the first couple of months I was just in a big funk, <laughs> really angry <laughs> yeah. about all the things that were mm. happening and then having to wear masks and being on mm. camera all day. And all this. Yes. But it's, 
it's been good in some ways for sure. I know there's been a lot of tragedy, so I don't want to downplay that, but um, you got to look for the positive. You got to look for the positive. Yeah, absolutely do. And I, and I, I agree with you. I would say that my relationships with my team, the relationships with my clients, and I, I echo your comment, which is it's so much closer because we've all had to take the mask off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Oh, guess what? Hey, we're all real people. Wow. Amazing concept. Right. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's like taking the armor off. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and I, don't know, I feel like that's been, um, you know, just for me, a lesson that has worked for me. And I don't want to like project on others, but like that being vulnerable and being real and authentic, mm-hmm. um, you know, has benefited me in my career before I started Care Sherpa, but absolutely since I started Care Sherpa and have just been, you know, the level of realness. Like I, when, schools went virtual and I was sharing, you know, some things on social media about, you know, the frustration of trying to balance and build a business and, you know, support. I have like 12 families that depend on our business thriving. And how do you do that when I feel like I can't support my own family, right? Because I can't get a virtual school assistant. But, you know, that really, by putting that out there, brought good energy back to me where people, you know, were willing to help in ways that I never expected. Yeah, you're right. You've, you've brought that up a couple of times. People are willing to help if you just ask, you know, and, and talk to, you know, think of to yourself as you're listening to this, would, would you help someone if they asked you, well, then why not let them help you? That, that's hard for me mm. to do. It's hard for me to let people help me, but I'm, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> it's a learned behavior, right? Yeah. And, and I think often many women, we become that spoke in like all of our hubs of our family and our teams and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's going back to the vulnerabilities and, you know, saying it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's mm-hmm. okay to just say that, you know, and saying I can't succeed because of, I have these limitations. So talk to your peers, your partners, your boss, and what can we do? And, and you know, I, I've had somebody say, well, what if my boss says, tough cookies figure it out okay well they just gave you some valuable information didn't they (laughs) you know so you know and that goes back to the culture conversation we had earlier right (laughs) Uh uh-huh exactly (laughs) well I want to share some of the comments that came from my crowd crowdsourcing question I put out on LinkedIn recently Um, one of the comments came from Jane who I've known for a few years as well these are all my contacts She's a vice president of strategy and business development in the healthcare space. Um, And she said, being too worried about being nice. Kindness is a must, but there's a difference between being kind and how you use your voice and being too nice to use it at all. And Jane is one of the kindest people I know. She is so professional and so kind and warm that I can see that she really lives this. But I know that we feel like, oh, I'm... I'm a woman. I can't be bossy. I can't be mean. I have to be nice, even though I feel like screaming at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's self-limiting behavior, right? And and I, and I do think kind of going back to what we've shared, you know, throughout this conversation is that we are our own um, greatest limiters, right? We set the ceiling before anyone else even. And that's it. And if you want to excel in your career and you want to move forward, you will use the the, the, the repeated record here, right? As step into your power. Um, but then as, as she said, it's a matter too of that. Don't let this, you know, don't let the, the nice gal fool you kind of thing. 
Right. And it's kind of that socialization is we're, we're little kids and girls are sugar, spice, and everything nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no spice. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I love that comment that she made. Um, another one that this, we, we got a response from a man, his name is Chris, and I've known him for many years as well. He's an executive in the healthcare space, and he's done some entrepreneur work as well. And he gave me two categories, some for men and some for women, which was kind of fun. So mm. talking about his thoughts around men, he said, slowness or outright failure to recognize the need to proactively advocate for and mentor underrepresented genders, races, and cultures. Women in business need a broader professional support network than other women alone can provide, which is interesting. It's like, huh, that, that's a well-rounded look at it. So as we're women helping women, you know, we need to think about networking with men as well. Absolutely. Because there are some doors, unfortunately, that they, that they can still open that perhaps women can't. Well, and it kind of goes back to our, our mentor conversation earlier and your advocate. And, um, you know, I think about in different stages in my career. So even using now with Care Sherpa, um, some of the people that have supported me along the way are older white gentlemen, right? And, um, you know, I had to also get over my own, you know, limitation, limiting thoughts and go and same thing, ask for, you know, introduce myself and ask for what I needed and ask for their support. Um, you know, and fortunately for me, there were the, the, the gentlemen that had a history of being very supportive to other entrepreneurs. But yeah, I think that um, it's a great reminder that you also, you know, now I think about as I continue to grow that where am I offering those opportunities to others who that whole like ladder, right. I'm clearing the path and who's behind me that I can also bring along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that to be aware of where you're headed as well as where you can help. I love that. Mm -hmm. He also said for men, um, discomfort being as open with female counterparts as with males, this applies to sharing workplace struggles with peers and likely with how critical feedback is provided by supervisors. You know, and, and um, I know that hashtag Me Too movement had its good purpose, but there's sort of been this backlash that men are a little bit afraid to be alone with women and be a, a little bit afraid mm -hmm. to get too close, like in a mentorship relationship, which is tragic, actually, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. You know, and I'm going to I'm going to say something radical because I know, you know, Janice, how shy I am. Um, <laughs> um, well, the other you are. That's <laughs> exactly shy and mousy and bossy and all the, yeah, no. um, and you know, for me, you know, I have also witnessed some, how can we say this? I'm trying to think of nicely. I can't even filter it anymore. I've witnessed some women that also are like on a hair trigger about it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I've had very frank conversations with male colleagues around this and say, well, help me understand. And even talking about some of that fear um, that they've experienced that if I say something the wrong way, that X and Y and Z, and, and you know, I'm not downplaying it. I have been a victim. I think going back to the whole me too, we all have unfortunately been a victim of gender biases or gender mm -hmm. discrimination or harassment and that is reality right um but i also think too that you know you have to be you can't throw um everyone into that category and say all men all this all that right and, and so but you know we 
going back to the culture part. So I think that one way that we get it wrong is not again having that willingness to go to that person who you know you maybe you had uncomfortable or you were whatnot and having candid conversations or you know having the dialogue because I think that you know to the point I men that I've I've interacted with and know they don't know how to act sometimes because of getting different signals and mixed signals so I think that that's part of it being fair now granted it goes back to you know if they continue to act that way well they've told you what you need to know right <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> um, and then uh, what Chris had to say about women is not making desire for professional development advancement clear to those around them who can support both, you know, which mm-hmm. ask for what you want, and then mm-hmm. not advocating for the correction of workplace norms that create biases against female uh, advancement. So it's, mm-hmm. like, you know, let's take the energy of a hashtag me too and put it towards something like, okay, there's this thing that's holding women back in this workspace. Yes. Let's do something about it in a proactive, positive way, you know, not yes. to throw people, you know, we don't want to be too nice, but we want to be kind mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just throw people out the door, but we have some responsibility. Yeah. Um, you know, um, a company that I worked for, um, not in the not too distant past, I won't name names, but um, at the time um, when I joined them, you know, even before I joined, I noticed that their leadership on their website, there was no females, there were no, no persons of color, there was no diversity. And, and I, you know, brought that up during the interview to say, help me understand, oh, well, our board member is a female and oh, we're this and okay, well, then why isn't she featured on the site? But what are you doing also to bring in more executive, you know, female leadership? And what's your pathway for women in leadership, right? And that's a way to, you know, call out that. Um, I did end up working for the company. And, you know, that was something that became um, one of my Sandy kind of like soapboxes, right? Well, what are we going to do? And, you know, I will say to the credit of the CEO at the time, you know, he put it back on me and said, well, what are you going to do to help be a part of that? Right? Mm-hmm. Great. Crow taken, eaten, got it. Now let's do it. You know, and, and, but, but that's it. I mean, just having that conversation and then I going back to, um, you know, I recognize that not every person feels as um, outspoken as maybe I am, but there's other channels to get that. And I think what, you know, Chris was sharing with that is calling out those things in the appropriate pathway that allow it to have the light be shined on it. Because I do think that sometimes they can be tunnel vision. And, you know, so for an example, way back when in my hotel career in the night, really early 90s, you know, I worked for a company that we got brought in one of the first LBGTQ um, non-discrimination policies, right? Because those of us as allies recognize that as an issue. And, you know, so we spoke for those who were voiceless. And so, you know, definitely if someone's facing that in an environment, you know, by by finding the appropriate channels and the advocates, the mentors, the partners to speak up and speak out often. Right. Right. Um, I've, I've done some reading around that. And a, a term for that is the onlys in your workplace. So the only black woman or the only gay mm. man or the only whatever it might be um, being treated differently um, yeah. and, and not kind of let into the inner circle. And so I just invite everybody who's listening to think about if there's any onlys in your workplace and maybe you are an only, mm-hmm. um, let's all accept responsibility for stepping up and asking for what we want and also reaching out to onlys and, and bringing them in 
I think that's really important. You know, and I'll, and I'll tell you, kind of flipping the mirror the other side, Janice, um, when I founded Care Sherpa, um, I had a gentleman that was my only, he was the only man that worked with us for a while, right? And that was something kind of early on, even recognizing that um, to say, you know, having these candid conversations and being sure that, you know, he was, even though he was an older white male, to say, you know, are you comfortable? Do you feel that you have the tools to access the resource? You know, and, and that's it, and, and recognizing that. So it can, you know, it's not just limited to um, gender or ethnicity or, you know, race or backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, working in healthcare, marketing specifically, um, yeah. there's often the room is full of women. And mm-hmm. that's great. And it's wonderful. But then we have one or two men, like on a, a team of 35, I think we have four men. So mm-hmm. we probably feel like only sometimes too, especially when we start talking about, you know, girlfriend stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, part of it, you know, I also, you know, I will be honest that, you know, when we were hiring, it was one someone that we knew that could roll with it, you know, but, but at the same time, right, it's a level of the same respect, right? If we want that respect, we have to show it in return. Exactly. Exactly. It's that personal responsibility and, and not mm-hmm. being a victim. I think yeah. one of the biggest things that can hold somebody back is, is letting yourself be a victim of your circumstances and not taking control. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like that right there, Janice, is that no matter what you, your listeners, the recognition that you have control, you are at the wheel of your life and your career, and you you decide when to take a left turn or a right turn or when to stop. Mm -hmm. And just that piece of it, that, you know, foot on the gas, foot on the brake, that's you. No one else is there driving, you know, and and then, but that goes to the power conversation too. And that's the same, that you got to recognize that you do have the ability to put the foot on the gas too. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Push past all of those fears and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. The last one I want to bring up is from Ashley. And Ashley's somebody I've known for less than a year now. She is a business development executive and she founded the National Women in Healthcare Association. And um, I've actually been working with her recently to start a chapter of women in healthcare here in Louisiana. There wasn't one. And I thought, well, we need this here. Um, And so I've learned a lot from her in terms of setting up a chapter. And she's just a phenomenal person, kind of like you. She reminds me of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Her comments were um, sponsorship. So not enough men or women at the top sponsor women for moves forward. That's something to think about. I think we all would like to think that we could be a mentor, um, but some people hold back because they're not sure how. Um, So Mm -hmm. there's a lot that could be done to help people learn how to mentor and and how to reach out to become a mentee. I was um, Mm -hmm. recently in a conversation about mentorship and one of the points that came up in these um, breakout sessions, and there were a series of four of them that I sat in all four, was that we need mentorship at every stage of our career. Just because I'm, you know, nearing the age of retirement doesn't mean I don't need mentoring, you know, and, and Absolutely. we can be mentored by women in their twenties because there's things that they know and, and deal with that really would help us either understand them or be a better partner for them. Oh my goodness. That's so true. That last part echoes it. And I, you know, we talked about the blinders earlier, right. And, and that's it. The question around, you know, and, and, and different generational perspectives of how do I, how do I, as a leader, 
asking your team, how do I set you up for success? What do you expect of me in the next 30 days when you're doing your goals and your conversations, right? And, and, and listening and having that ability to, you know, hear a gal a while back, a couple teams ago, you know, she was working with me in the healthcare marketing space, but she was really passionate about a different career space. And so, you know, we had that conversation and that was a lot of it. Like, how do I help her free up her day to day so she can still work, but then go to school at night? And, and, you know, but having that, I mean, that's another way to support one another. And as a leader, especially. Mm -hmm. Oh, those are excellent points. Excellent. Um, The next thing that Ashley says is bias and expectations. So many exist, but an example is when a woman has a child, there, there's a discussion about allowing, and this is in quotation marks, (laughs) her to be home with her kid. And then the expectation of women on themselves, working harder, being more involved, being more educated to prove we can do it all. And then ultimately, she says burnout, all of this ultimately leads to exhaustion and a complete lack of self-care. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> you know, what that brings to mind to me is um, another gal that I know that she was young in her career and her boss was recently um, having twins and barely took the, you know, six weeks maternity leave was on email within a couple hours of, you know, being after giving birth. And then this young woman became pregnant herself. And it really set her up in her mind of, this is what my boss did this is what she's going to expect of me, but that's not what I value, not, not what I want. And so I say that from that place is that I, as a leader, am try to be very conscious of what is the, the um, nonverbal messages I'm sending, right, right. in terms of expectation setting. Um, if I'm on at, you know, 11 p.m., 1 a.m., you know, working, and am I subconsciously sending that message to my team that they need to be doing that too, or working through vacations, or in this case, through maternity leave, um, And so, you know, when you think about, you know, yourself as well, you know, this young gal, she was facing this, this, this challenge and and that's a real conversation that you have to have around expectations, right? Because, Mm -hmm. and also the social pressures, not every mom experience is the same. That's such an amazing point. You know, as, as leaders, as managers, we should seek out those conversations with women who are going through those kinds of transitions. You know, that's, I love mm-hmm. that. And I, yeah. I believe that we, I've, I've been that person, but I don't know that I've outwardly stated that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the social pressure, so I'll say, speak from a personal place. When I was fortunate, when I had my children to be working for a company that had a female CEO mm-hmm. and it was an amazing environment. I feel so fortunate to have had that, but definitely that same question of my experience was not the same as my peers. You know, I was, I was ready to get back to work, right? That's, I'm just that gal, but another peer, you know, took extended time off. But the best part was that we both had that freedom, you know, to do that and not have these uh, cultural expectations push for otherwise. Yep, exactly. You know, I personal story for me, um, I, I have one daughter, she's now in her twenties out on her own and doing great. Um, but when she was two years old, she was going to preschool and, um, her two year birthday, I think it was probably three, her third year birthday came up and I don't know how these things work. I, I figured, well, 
they'll have a little birthday thing for her and it'll be fun because they know it's her birthday. They had it on the bulletin board. So I go to pick her up at the end of the day. She gets in the car and then she bursts into tears. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? She said, nobody said happy birthday to me. Oh my God. <laughs> so anytime anybody, male or female, wants to go to see their kids play, to do whatever it is, uh-huh. I am like, you have to be there. Do not even think about not being there because I'm still traumatized by that. No, right. Absolutely. And setting that piece of the supportive, yeah, male, female, other. And, you know, but I think that unfortunately, you know, we don't have those conversations around, Um, you know, this goes back to being, you know, comfortable to be vulnerable. Like with my team, you know, that is a conversation to say, you know, what I do ask when people, we onboard people, what's your home situation? What's ideal to you look like, right? Um, I've got a lot of amazing working moms where some are single moms, some are, you know, supplementing their income. But, you know, so, but if I know that, you know, let's say Susan, you know, her, she needs to be dedicated mom time from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m., great, let's make that happen, right? And no judgment. I love that. I love that. And I think the expectation is more and more of that. Like, you know, the, the pantyhose days. Yeah, we have to be more open and accepting of different no. ways of, of getting things done, supportive of each other's differences, I think. Yeah. You know, and it just made me think of it too, Janice, bringing our circle conversation all the way around is that, um, you know, the, the, my guess, my beating drum here is ask for what you need. Right. And so I could hear some of your listeners maybe saying, well, that's sure is nice, but I don't work in a culture that has that. Right. I can't have, I don't feel like I can have that conversation. So then, you know, my comment, like we said too, which is you're responsible for your own engagement and you're responsible for your own, you know, driving your career, your car here. And so, the comment that I would say is to say, you know, you don't know if it's possible unless you ask. And then on the other side of it, you know, do, if so, let's say that you work in an environment in a traditional office environment and you really need to be with your kiddos from two to five, like Susan. And so then ultimately, can you go to your superior and say, you know, um, I'd really like to be with my kids during this window and here's how I'm going to manage the work around and here's how it's going to still get done, whatever that is, right? Propose the solution instead of just bringing the problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's the worst they can say? Yeah. No. Yeah. If your solution is not good, they can help you understand why and, you know, move it forward. I have some folks on my team who, you know, will ask good questions that to me at this point in my career are sort of funny. <laughs> but they, they don't know the answer. So it's like, get out there and ask it, you know? And, and it is. And I think it's the, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by women, I think, kind of where we are, like you said, getting away from the pantyhose days where we do have the voice that maybe we felt we didn't before. And I feel like we're the wave of influence, you know, it's happening in terms of reshaping work and reshaping cultures, Um, you know, and and I I come back to the other beautiful thing, too, is that, you know, if you're in a world where you're, you're, you feel limited, and you've tried your best to try to offer solutions, and you don't get anywhere, gosh, you know, there's a whole big world out there. And it's something else to think about. I mean, like I said, not that I'm saying that everyone wants to start their own company, Mm -hmm. but I tell my team all the time, I couldn't find the perfect culture. So I created it, you know, so (laughs) all the things that I believe. And so going back to, you know, maybe that's the answer for you too. 
Yeah. What freedom, you know, and a lot of responsibility <laughs> and a lot of headaches, but the freedom there to create what you want, what you desire is phenomenal. So Absolutely. <laughs> well, it looks like we're really getting to the end of our time together. I think this has been such a great discussion and I certainly hope our listeners have picked up a few insights to help them in their own professional advancement. So Jessica, do you have any last words of encouragement? I mean, you've shared so much phenomenal thoughts. Well, you know, I think a lot of it, and I, you know, I share this with my team often, which is the, the same thing around, it starts with you also having a vision, right, for who you want to be, where you want to be, what does this mean? And I think that that's where you get to start to know your value, know your worth, right? And if you start from that place, I mean, that is such a sense of power that, you know, I have in my career known that um, when a door is closed, that I can go and one boss told me I had a drywall knife and I would make my own door. Right. Um, but that's it because I, I knew my center point. Um, and so, you know, if, if someone's listening to your podcast and they're really thinking about where do they go from here, I'd start there. You know, like you mentioned earlier, what are those self-limiting conversations that you um, don't give yourself that radical compassion? What are those things that you're doing to hold yourself back and to make your vision around where you want to be? Because oftentimes you're going to find your own pathway just by reflecting on that. Exactly. And that's, you know, really what this success plan system is all about is thinking through what your core values are, thinking about where you want to be in X period of time, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever it is, and then putting a plan together to get there, you know, and staying focused on it. Because, um, you know, one of the things, one of the points I make is motherhood is a wonderful distraction. But mm -hmm. if you don't have your eye on the ball, like for me, I didn't. And so my career became a job during those years. For you, your career is your career is your, your business. But, you know, for so many women, it's like, okay, for 15 years, I just sort of drifted along. Those 15 years could have been used a lot more strategically and I might've advanced further faster. Um, and I loved the time I spent with my daughter. I loved being the uh, Girl Scout troop leader. I loved having fabulous birthdays after that. It is important to, to really think mm -hmm. through and let yourself figure out what it is you want out of life and going for it. So thank you for that. Oh, I love that, Janice. Yeah. And I, I would echo your comments there, which is, you know, ultimately we all have one shot at this, right? And it, if it does feel like a job and, and, and that's it. It's like also no matter like going back to the radical self-compassion is that, um, I recognize my business could be much further faster, but I'm doing it in a way that feels authentic and feels genuine to me. Um, and, and that's it. You know, I believe with your system, that's what it really is going to give your listeners the opportunity to do is to understand your core set, right? So then from there, you can draw your decision points. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening. Um, I think it's just really important for each of us to support each other and other people in our lives to move forward together, whether they're women or men. Um, and feel free to drop me an email with questions or topic ideas for future podcasts. Visit my website to learn more about the Success Plan system. You can reach me via email at simplyjanice at cyspsystem.com. And the URL is obviously just cyspsystem.com from the website. So here's to your success. <laughs>